know, some people experience episodes that they have no explanation for. They, they, they will be triggered in such a way on an emotional level and have a, an episode and don't fully understand why this is happening to them. Is this evidence of repression? Usually, if there's a, a strongly recurring kind of uh, event or feeling, I would say it generally correlates to a repressed part of yourself. There's some kind of feeling that's being suppressed, which is now manifesting through this mechanism that we call projection, which is being perceived by the person in the way that you just described. Hmm. Now, in that whole um, looking at projection, and, and let's say a person has an ep episode, sometimes it's very difficult for a person to own um, that particular instance. You know, they, they, they will blame that on somebody else, or they'll figure out some other reason. Everything but them is at fault for it. Right. Is that is that something that you see very often in your in your work with people? Yeah, this is part of what I call uh, the first step of my own work. And in my own work, there are four steps: there's awareness, acceptance, direct experience, and transformation. And each of those steps corresponds to a different level of our being. As I was saying at the beginning, there's the the body level, the emotional level, the spiritual level, and the intellectual level. So, understanding projection is part of the intellectual level, just understanding what's happening. Let's review that. Just yeah, people, I'd like to yeah. maybe go into that in a little detail, because that's really the critical first step of understanding what, uh, of how, how uh, what constitutes our emotional experience, and also why the system that I'm, uh, you know, writing about and teaching and, and using in my counseling, why it works. It's important to understand suppression before we actually stay on projection. So let me just clarify for a sentence or two what suppression means. Suppression, or repression as we said, means that a feeling comes up and in some way we do not allow that feeling energy to reach the point of completion. What we do is stop it, block it, resist it. And the energy of the feeling becomes trapped and held in our body-mind continuum. Uh, the feeling is really part of our psychic mm -hmm. body, but as we continue to suppress feelings and trap them, they start to extend into our material body or physical body. And that's my feeling that that's what constitutes much of our experience that we call disease this feeling energy becomes trapped, extends into the physical, and when it reaches a certain point, we have a symptom and we say heart attack or we say cancer. You know? hmm. In the literature, you know, um, we're beginning to discover this C personality, where a person will suppress uh, their feelings and there's a reflection uh, on a physiological level with our immune system. And we've actually done some, some research where we had 150 people who had melanoma and when those people were asked whether they were happy or you know how things were going each one of them smiled, smiled a little bit and said everything's alright or nothing's wrong or I'm fine but in taking uh, slow motion photography or time lapse photography you could see that in between the smiles was a bit of sadness that they were really not 
quite as happy as they put out to be. And in each case, the immune system seemed to become very passive. And, of course, each one of these people uh, had, in fact, cancer. Yeah, I, I think the emotional... It's difficult for us to say what percentage, to what percentage the emotional component influences what we call disease. But my impression is that it's a very significant part, if not a major part. But dealing with the emotions, in any event, is extremely important in working with health issues. And I don't want to get away from our train of thought here with, with projection and so on, but working with the emotional component as part of a general healing regime, if you're dealing with stuff that we call disease, is essential. And, you know, we could maybe even go back to that later on and talk about how that exactly fits in, how, it, how acceptance fits in with accepting your experience that we call disease. You know? Well, let's continue with but, your... Yeah, let's go back to yeah. where we were. When we, so we're, we're at the point where we're suppressing uh, a feeling. And it's important to understand that in order to avoid suppression, all we really need to do is to experience our feelings completely. It's not really related to what we call expression of a feeling. This is another conception that, uh, that I believe the conception that has originated, a misconception, excuse me, mm-hmm. that has originated in the West and is now just, uh, we're at the, the cutting edge here of recognizing that it's not expressing a feeling that is the antidote to suppression or the means to avoid suppressing. It's the experiencing of the feeling. Many times we can actually express a feeling. Whatever that means to you, what, you know, what, what does it mean expressing a feeling? But it's really the experiencing of the feeling that's important. So it's, it's very simple. The answer to both avoiding suppression and declaring suppression is just experiencing feelings in the moment or experiencing feelings in the past that have become suppressed that are now uh, coming up in the present. But what happens is that we've really lost the capacity to experience, and our resistance has gone to a very deep unconscious level. So in our work, the first thing that we address is these unconscious blocks to experiencing. And we have to move to a place where we, again, experience deeply and in a controlled and safe way. And another important rule of thumb or guideline here that I've observed is that what we call the higher self, there's a guidance that we we encounter when we enter this work deeply. And this guidance only reveals to us the feelings that are appropriate. Mm-hmm. And this is very important to understand because there's there's usually a lot of fear or at least anxiety and trepidation with encountering the suppressed parts of ourselves. But if you surrender to the higher self or if you have some kind of spiritual ideal that is meaningful for you, having faith that uh, you will only be given what you can handle is, is a very important concept to have and is held up in my own experience and also in working with other people that I've seen. Is that saying, uh, in a sense, that we never bite off more yeah. than we can chew on the spiritual? Given, yeah, we're never given more than we can than we can handle, right? Uh huh. Right. And when we learn the tools, you know, to do this, which is what my work is all about, it becomes much easier to encounter these parts of ourselves. But so we're at the point where we're suppressing, and usually we've suppressed these feelings from some time in the past. Western psychology traditionally assumes that suppression has originated in childhood and 
significant work can be done by working with this paradigm, going back to childhood experience and uh, uncovering feelings there, and in, in trying to expand our concept of this work, I found that it's useful to incorporate the concept of previous lives in this understanding of where do, do these suppressed feelings come from. That's my feeling that the suppressed emotional subconscious is carried over from previous lives. And that's why, as children, we then attract circumstances and parents who correspond to our suppressed subconscious mm -hmm. and who act on us in such a way in those formative years to bring up, to, to catalyze, to crystallize our personality formations in correspondence with the suppressed subconscious. So we're continuing and our education, so to speak, on a spiritual level. Definitely, yeah. It's, it's what we need to, to confront in order to grow spiritually. Now, is it important for us to understand who it, who it was that we were in a past life, a previous life experience, or what we did? Is that important for us well, to analyze that? That's a good that? question. There is some emphasis on past life recall with, uh, with this very thing in mind. It's, it's my, my uh, impression, based on the work that I've done and you know, working with myself and with clients and, and, and my own thinking and, and theorizing about this, it's not important to necessarily go back to the original experience, whether, it's, whether we perceive it as a childhood experience or whether we believe that it's a past life experience, a karmic experience. What's important to understand, and now we're getting into projection, is that those feelings from the past, whether it's childhood experience, whether it's past life experience, are now projected into our present experience. We experience the exact same feeling now that we experienced then. The only thing that's changed are the circumstances. So we have the raw data to work with. We have the feeling. And if we can only come up with a, a way to work with this feeling in the present, it makes it frees us from that intellectual, almost compulsiveness to go back to the past, to think that you have to uncover what the past was to clear the feeling. You don't have to do that, in my experience. If you work with the feeling in the present that you're experiencing, you can release that feeling. Many times when you do that, or in process as you do that, past memories will flash into consciousness, childhood or previous life. And if that happens, that's good, that's fine. That's part of the process and you can use that. And actually it does happen fairly frequently that as you integrate a feeling and release the feeling energy, as you clear the feeling, the past circumstance does come into awareness. But it's coming into awareness as a result of having cleared the feeling, not as a condition mm -hmm. to having cleared the feeling. And the other important thing is that when we go back into childhood or past life, very often, if not usually, we still are retaining that sense of blame. We're blaming our parents. We're blaming 
the situation or the person in the past life, we still have not come to a point of owning and acceptance, which is crucial in order to integrate the feeling. So, you know, going back by no means guarantees success in releasing the feelings. It's important to kind of know where we are now. Do you suggest some kind of personal inventory or some pertinent questions that we can ask ourselves about, you know, our emotional state? I think we all know when we're, you know, when we're emotionally ill at ease, if you're experiencing a lot of stress. And by the way, my interpretation of stress is that negative feelings are coming up from the subconscious faster than they can be integrated is what constitutes stress. Mm. We become, you know, we, we become whacked out of balance. If we had a way to resolve these negative feelings as they came up, we would not experience stress. But actually, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because I want to complete the whole train of thought about uh, suppression projection. After we've engaged in this, this mechanism that we call suppression, we've clamped down on the feeling, we haven't allowed it into our awareness, what the natural... The natural, our natural mechanism, our natural response, our being's response, let's say, is to project this feeling, to experience it through projection. Because we've resisted, suppressed, condemned, clamped down on the feeling within ourselves, it doesn't leave us alone, and we experience it through projection. We're getting back to your question of what happens when we experience these things. We don't know why things happen to ourselves. So let's talk about projection uh, in a little more detail. I, I recognize projection as having three levels. The most mild is when we sense that we're more sensitive to certain aspects of other people, certain qualities of other people uh, seem to either catch our attention or we're just more sensitive to it. For example, we could be more sensitive to other people's anger. And this doesn't mean anger not directed towards us. It could just mean that we're sensitive, we take notice of other people's anger if we have a lot of suppressed anger within ourselves. Mm. Or if we have a lot of suppressed sexuality within ourselves, we become more sensitive to sexuality issues around us on the Internet or in, on, on TV. And generally... Because what we've done is essentially condemn those same feelings within ourselves through the act of suppression, we then extend that same condemnation towards the manifestation of the feelings outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. We condemn people for being angry. We, we're impatient with them. We condemn sexuality outside of ourselves, and we try to control it. We think it's bad and so on. We're reacting to parts of ourselves that are being mirrored to ourselves by our outside, and we condemn the mirror. Your criticism becomes an autobiography almost. Exactly. This is what it's, what it's meant when, in spiritual uh, life when it's said, you see yourself in others. You know, whatever you've suppressed, you're going to be real conscious of that in people around you. Now, this is the first step. It's pretty mild, you know, nothing, nothing uh, severe is happening here yet. The second stage of projection is where we start to become personally reactive. We think that some situation or person is acting on us, making us feel a certain way. We assign responsibility for our feelings to others. 
So we're not only more sensitive to outside stimulus, but we are overlaying simple reality with the suppressed inner. We see things that are not really there. For example, let's say our partner has to work late one night and we think we're being abandoned. All of our abandonment fears issues come up. We feel helpless, angry, alone. And we blame our partner. We have a confrontation and we make demands. We don't see that the event is just triggering the feelings that we are holding within. And that's what happens in the second stage of projection. Feelings get triggered by these innocent events which really have no intention to, to act on us in the way they do. So we distort our perceptions of reality. We become very sensitive and we become neurotic. This is what it's meant by being neurotic, basically. We're, we're not reacting to reality. We're reacting to our projected perception of reality. And most importantly, we're reacting on an emotional level to hmm. our projected emotions. We're feeling these feelings. We don't realize the situation is just triggering them, bringing them up. So these, these two levels are generally recognized by Western psychology. The third level is not recognized by the West, but is recognized by the East. The third level is when the suppressed energy has grown to a point where it's become so much that we actually attract events and people to us that correspond to these suppressed energies. <laughs> we actually attract someone who really does abandon us, starting with our mother or father, continuing into our first or second marriage. And even when we become aware of the pattern, we seem to be unable to break it. We, we take great care. We try to scrutinize relationships and make sure we're not getting into the same pattern, but we we do, we attract the same person. We fall into what's called compulsive repetition. It's irresistible almost. It's, yeah, it's irresistible and it, it occurs on an unconscious level. There's the unconscious recognition mm -hmm. and attraction. Western psychology recognizes this compulsive repetition syndrome, but really doesn't have too much of an explanation as to why it's happening. This is where the East is really informative. In the East, this syndrome, as I mentioned, is called karma, where we attract circumstances, people to us, that will act on us in, a, in what we could call an objective way. There's no question that we are being acted on by somebody who is, who is abandoning us, for example, or someone who is mistreating us, or situations which bring up feelings of failure feelings of insignificance. We just can't get ahead. It's because these situations are triggering all these feelings, the feelings of failure, the feelings of insignificance, the feelings of sadness. These are the feelings that we need to deal with, that we need to integrate instead of being compulsively motivated, as I said earlier, into just seeking the positive side of the dualistic experience. We have to go to the negative side, work with that negative manifestation, the negative feeling, clear it directly. But that's what happens. That's why these events happen to us. We're going along. Something happens. We have no idea why this happened. But it's our karma acting on us. On an emotional level, the karma is bringing us a situation in order to bring up those feelings for clearing. 
It always amazes me how masterful we are at saying just the precise right line to do this, the very thing to create the experience again and again. Uh, is there ever a point where we can catch ourselves in the middle of it you know, as we see this thing reoccurring, as the karmic uh, circumstances unfold, can we catch ourselves and change it? Possibly, but but I think generally no. I think karma and the subconscious will not be defeated, and it's actually for our own benefit as long as we use the circumstances correctly. And that's the whole focus of my work is to use these circumstances to recognize that the feelings are coming up and to then use the opportunity to work with the feelings. But we're not going to be able to defeat karma, even even though we may try very carefully, as I said. We still compulsively repeat those patterns, or even different patterns, bring up the same feelings. It's important because these feelings need to be brought up for clearing, and if we don't do that, we just remain ultimately very sick. Now, when we clear, Right? When we become clear of that particular uh, emotional, you know, um, uh, morsel, so, mm -hmm. so to speak, uh, are we free? Yeah. What happens is that what we do, uh, technically, we, we recognize that we, in clearing the negative feelings, in working and going directly to the negative, and working with it, clearing it, what we do is transcend that particular dualistic experience. We're no longer attracted to the positive and compulsively seek the positive in an effort to avoid the negative. We transcend that particular dualistic uh, pattern and we go to a higher level. For example, we're no longer, as I said earlier, we're no longer compulsively addicted to success in order to get recognition, in order to compensate for our feelings of insignificance. Mm. We transcend. John, we're going to tackle how you get clear, you know, and, and learn the okay. many tools that are in this, this beautiful arsenal that you've created of, of, of work here, emotional clearing. And uh, when we come back, we're going to ask our listeners for their support of this station. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. 